It's a new year, which means New Year's resolutions and fresh starts for both individuals and families. So what might be your New Year's resolution? World Youth Day is right around the corner, and the bishops of the United States have returned from a mandated retreat. All this and more on this edition of A View from the Top. I'm John Morris, and joined, as always, by Bishop Gregory Parks of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Bishop, Happy New Year. We, we had the Christmas show, and then we went away and haven't seen each other for, it seems like, a month almost. Well, Happy New Year to you too, John, and to our listeners also. What did you get to do between Christmas and New Year? Did you get to go visit your brother or visit Well, family? once I finished um, the Christmas liturgies, took some time off. I Good. actually got away for a, a few days right after Christmas, and but I was home before New Year's. Actually, uh, New Year's Eve, got together with a few other bishops, and we had an early dinner, Nice, <laughs> as good bishops would do. Sure. So we went out early and had a nice time together, but I was home by 8 o'clock that night. No good. So just in time for Dick Clark's rocking in. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you set resolutions? I don't specifically call them resolutions. I think um, I, I, I tend to identify priorities or things that I want to really focus on during a new year. And for me, this year, as bishop of our diocese, certainly at the top of that list is courageously living the gospel, sure. the vision that we put forth last year. And really this year, we're focusing on the implementation of that vision. So each of our parishes are currently developing parish plans to align with our vision. Uh, those will be presented to me in the next few months, and then we'll go forward. And, and as a diocese, we're going to try to assist our parishes in implementing the, uh, the goals that they set for their individual parish. Some of the things that uh, helped you develop that, that uh, in, in the committee, develop that vision and the mission of the feedback that you got uh, was about families and even though, uh, as we're recording this, we're a couple of weeks into the new year, it's not too late to resolve to make a promise to improve our lives. What's a good resolution for families, do you think? I think first thing that comes to mind would be for families to pray together. Maybe I just assume that they already do that. But if prayer is not a big part of your family life, maybe I could suggest or offer that as a, a resolution or something that you really want to embrace this year. So um, I think many of us likely pray grace before meals, a traditional Catholic blessing, bless us, O Lord, and these mm -hmm. thy gifts. But do we say a prayer maybe in the morning when we first get up, you know, entrusting the day to the Lord and asking that we live that day in his presence and according to his will? Do husbands and wives maybe say a prayer at night together before they go to bed? Do we say a prayer with our children before we put the, when we put them to bed? Do we teach them how to pray? Uh, they follow our example, and so it's important that that become a priority uh, in our families. And it's just the little things that can make a big difference because, as you said, those kids, they watch everything that the parents do. They do, John, and that includes going to Mass. And I would say that would be another good resolution this year for our families and for couples, individuals, for anyone, would be to try to get to Mass every Sunday, as we're called to do, and to make that a priority in your life. You know, I, I say Mass is, to me, like kind of bookends for the week. So we start our week at Mass, and we end our week at Mass. And that kind of marks a, a very important point and a, certainly a good way to set ourselves up for the week ahead. I know you don't have a crystal ball. That would be against bishop uh, policy and church policy. But what do you foresee for the future in 2019 for our diocese? You mentioned courageously living. That'll be going on. But maybe for the church here in the U.S. 
I think uh, here specifically in, in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, continuing to put forth our vision, as, I, as I've already mentioned, for the church, I hope it's in many ways a year of healing uh, and a year of peace uh, in our church. Uh, last year, as we've spoken about in previous uh, shows, it was a very difficult year, and, and rightly so, because of the abuse scandals and things that came up things that we're still dealing with and really haven't been resolved to this point in any substantive way. So I think the leadership of the church really has to step forward, including myself with my brother bishops this year, to put forth some concrete things that we're going to do to put an end to this abuse once and for all. You just arrived as we're recording from uh, the mandated retreat in Chicago, uh, the Chicago area, that the Holy Father asked that the U.S. bishops do, I believe. And before that retreat, he issued a, a letter to to all of you. Did you get a chance to read it, and was that part of the focus of the retreat? It, it certainly was. So the retreat was something that the Holy Father, Pope Francis, asked the bishops to do as a body. So he wanted us all to gather for retreat for a time of prayer and penance, a time of silence in many ways. Uh, so we, we set it up to do that right after New Year's. So I think Almost every single bishop in the United States, including some retired bishops, uh, went to Mundelein Seminary in Chicago uh, last week. And um, we were very blessed to have as our presenter Father Renero Counta La Mesa, who is the preacher to the papal household and has been since 1980. Mm -hmm. So he's been the the preacher to the last three popes, including St. John Paul II. And he's just outstanding. He had a wonderful spiritual message. And really reminded us as bishops who we are, what our ministry is, and trying to make sure that we stay connected to Jesus Christ in our own lives. What are some of the things that you took away personally from the retreat? I think, you know, myself, like some of my brother bishops, uh, wondered why is the Holy Father asking us to come together for this time of prayer? And um, I think it was for us to gather as a body, as, as brothers, for prayer and to discern what's happened and what we need to do going forward. So it was really was not in any way a business meeting, but I think in the back of our minds and the subject of our prayer was definitely how are we going to lead our church forward? So that was present. I always find myself that it is a great blessing to be with my brother bishops to pray together and to celebrate the Eucharist together. It's not something we, we get to do very often, usually just at the times we meet in the, uh, in the spring and in the fall. So that was an added blessing. And then the fraternity, you know, the opportunity to speak to one another at, at times during the retreat. Although, as I mentioned, there was periods of silence. For example, every day uh, our lunch meal was in silence. Breakfast and dinner, you had the option. You could either eat in silence or, or have conversation uh, with one another. So I think just as any retreat, the blessing is the opportunity to, to step back, to basically just step away from your normal day-to-day life and just focus on your ministry and on the call that you've received from God. And that was a great blessing to me. I think it was uh, wise that the Holy Father said, let's make it an extended time versus just a fly in Friday night and go home Sunday afternoon. This was, you had to really sit in and absorb it and and meditate on what was presented. No, it definitely was focused. And uh, each day we had two conferences, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. 
Uh, each conference by Father Cantalamesa was about an hour, and those were usually done in conjunction with morning prayer and evening prayer. Then we celebrated Mass together every day at 11 o'clock, and Father Cantalamesa delivered the homily. So it was almost an additional conference. You know, you mentioned the letter. Pope Francis wrote a letter which was given to each bishop when they arrived at the retreat. One of the things that immediately I noticed was right at the beginning, the Holy Father said that he sincerely desired to be with us during this time. And I think he really meant that, you know. Uh, It would be kind of hard to imagine that they logistically would be able to get the Holy Father to Chicago unannounced or unnoticed, and I guess they couldn't work out those details. But it would be almost like the president going to Afghanistan at Christmas uh, to visit the troops. Usually it's done in secrecy until after it happens. But anyway, I just thought that, you know, his desire to be with his brother bishops was a great source of strength for us. You know, I read some of the letter quickly, being fully transparent. I didn't read the whole letter, but I got the gist of it. And a change in the way we do business, and I'm paraphrasing, is going to have to be in the air is kind of what what I took from it. Yeah, I, I think you're correct, John. Uh, again, everybody might have their own interpretation of the letter, but the need to, to act in communion uh, with each other as bishops. We're not islands, you know, even though we may have different opinions at times and so forth, but we do act as a body, and um, that we need to be there to support one another. And um, as you said, not to just, I mean, obviously doing the same thing uh, hasn't worked, right. you know. So we need to look at, at possibly new ways guided by the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit. Later in February, there's supposed to be a gathering in Rome. Will we see some fruit from that? That's my sincere hope and and expectation. Again, I I don't think here in the United States we'll be voting on anything as a a body of bishops until our June meeting. And there's a, that's a change too, isn't it? It is. Uh, every three years, uh, the June meeting is of a spiritual nature, almost it's called a retreat. Mm-hmm. I think we've already gotten that out of the way right, right. <laughs> uh, in January. So the June meeting will be a business meeting, as it should be this year. And hopefully we will be able to put into place some concrete uh, things as a church to be able to address the issues which are, are currently plaguing us. Now, we're talking about the church universal, not just here in the U.S., but the globe. But in our own little worlds, in our personal lives, I think we can use that as an example to take time to pray before we make decisions, even within our own little families in our household, that before we make a a big decision or a radical change, we should take it to prayer. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and all we have to do is look at the example of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who he himself took time away from prayer. Uh, even from his disciples, his closest followers and friends, he would go aside from them. Of course, he began his public, before he began his public ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert, prayer and fasting, right before or as he was undergoing his passion. He went to the garden to pray. So we just look to our Lord for that example of the need to, uh, and, and also with our Lord that, you know, before he chose his disciples, he prayed. So there's so many examples from the scriptures of where prayer and invoking the the guidance of the Holy Spirit has been helpful and useful and necessary before making important decisions. I took a peek at your calendar and saw that you're going to have a blessing uh, for the commissioning of the the people that are going to World Youth Day coming up 
uh, I think in a week or so, uh, around the 20th or so. And uh, that's going to be a big event for a lot of young people that are going. It, it sure will be. Uh, from our diocese, we are sending a delegation uh, to World Youth Day, which this year is in, in Panama. You ever so been to Panama? I have not. It might be a place I get to go one day, maybe on a cruise or there something. You go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I haven't been there. But we will be sending a delegation of young people to Panama to be with our Holy Father and with youth from around the world to celebrate our faith and to hopefully grow and strengthen our faith there. The theme this year is, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. Coming from Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Why do you think that that theme was chosen this year? I I think the passage is, of course, from uh, the Annunciation, you know, and and Mary's fiat or her yes to God's will that she would be the vessel, that she would be the person who would bring forth the Son of God into the world, not completely understanding that in any way, but yet having full trust. And I think it's a, a theme that's relevant and necessary for our young people today as they discern their future, is not always knowing what the future holds or why they feel they're being called by God to go a particular direction. Some of them may not even fully grasp why they're there at World Youth Day, for example, but just saying, I'm here, and I give myself to your will, God. Lead me. Everybody that goes on these retreats, and there's always those, as you alluded to, they don't know whether they're there, it's a cool trip, they're going with the rest of the youth group, whatever, but a transformation can take place. I've witnessed that so many times, uh, particularly with high school students or confirmation candidates, you know, on their retreat, uh, young adults, college students, adults even. Sure. And everyone, really, that, um, you know, those times when they make a pilgrimage or make a retreat can be a true time of conversion or a time of encountering the Lord's presence and his love and mercy in a very special way and in a way which changes the course of their life. We've seen from World Youth Days in the past how vocations have been inspired by men and women who have attended World Youth Day and been in the presence of our Holy Father and in the presence of so many priests and religious, uh, that they're inspired to consider a vocation to religious life. Absolutely. I think the, the two of the phrases in, in that short passage, I am the servant of the Lord, and for me is looking at this, our young people are, are always looking for, how do, how do I, I want to be a leader in this world. I want to make my mark in this world. And yet we're called to serve. And by service, you can become a leader. And really the best leaders are the servant leaders. Yeah, they sure are. And as you said, I think there's a, a great hunger today among young people, both those in high school and college age, young adults, to make a difference in the world not just to take advantage of the world and get as much as they can, but to make a a positive difference in the world. And the way that we do that is through service of our neighbor to those who are most in need. And we see examples of that even here in our local diocese. I think about the Good Samaritan Project over the summer where our high school students go away for a week and they engage in various service projects, whether that be painting or cleaning or yard work or different things just to help somebody else. And uh, they love it. They enjoy it. They feel like they're doing something uh, which will make a difference in someone else's lives, and that's important. Have you ever been to a World Youth Day? 
I have not actually. Uh, never had or the your opportunity. Brother? Uh, my brother, uh, Father Stephen, either uh, has not yeah. been to World Youth Day. Been to many youth conferences nationally and locally in our state, but uh, have not been able to go. And, and unfortunately, I'm not able to go this year either. But yeah. so I guess you would say maybe on my bucket list, John, of things right. to do. All right. Let me ask you this. I know they have these every two or three years. The last one I recall in the states was I think in Denver back in the late '80s or mid '90s. Something like that. How do they? Do you know how they choose the locations, and does the conference of bishops for that country put a bid in to have them? The Holy Father is the one who selects the location and usually announces it at the actually at the World Youth Day event. The last time it was here, you're correct, was in the United States in the early '90s, I believe, 1993. Okay, uh, it was in Denver, and uh, but we haven't had it back here since. It's been all over the world, as the title World Youth Day sure. suggests. But I think the Holy Father brings that to prayer and maybe tries to see where the gospel needs to be preached and celebrated and maybe a place that he hasn't been. And it's an opportunity for him to visit there as well. So we'll eagerly await to see where the next World Youth Day will be. Uh, You mentioned the Bishops' Conference. Certainly they play a big part in hosting those things. And it's a, a large commitment, sure. you know, both in terms of time and resources, right. financial and people. So it's not something to be taken lightly. They have to commit to it. We had a great gathering at the fairgrounds for our Family Faith Fest, and that had ten or 11,000 people, and that was hard for us. We're talking millions of people show up for these for the World Youth Day. Yeah, it's incredible. Depending where they are, they, you, we've had millions go, um, hundreds of thousands. This year, I'm not sure the total number that are expected right. uh, to be in Panama. Um, I thought I heard the number from the United States was at least 10,000 yeah. uh, will be going from the U.S., and then obviously from all over um, you know, South America, Central America, and then Europe and so forth. So it uh, should be a, a great gathering. I look forward to following the coverage on it. As we alluded to a moment ago, these events can bring forth great fruit for the church. And you and I have talked off mic before about how the church needs to do better nationally, internationally, and even locally in ministering to the young adults. How do we do that? You know, John, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that is one of our priorities uh, and one of our goals uh, in line with our, our vision, Courageously Living the Gospel, is to provide more ministry opportunities to reach out to our youth and to our young adults. I think it starts with listening. I think we have to listen to them, and we have to ask them, how can we help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we don't ask them and listen to what they have to say, we might be trying to sell them something that they don't want. And and that's not going to be very helpful to them. So I think um, just as I listened to the people of our diocese when I first arrived here as bishop now uh, two years ago, I think it's important that our our leaders and uh, parents and youth ministry leaders, young adult uh, listen to our to our young people and ask them what are they seeking and how can we help them. Right, I think that's a tricky area because communication is two ways. They need to be able to communicate what it is they specifically want, and then on the other side, we have to interpret correctly what it is that they want, and then have the the skill set to implement it. And those are three big things that that have to come together to make a positive impact. 
Yeah, so I was, um, I think as we maybe talked about in one of our previous uh, conversations, I was at a Theology on Tap evening uh, in St. Petersburg, and I was asked to talk, and what I decided to do was listen. So I got up on stage, and after welcoming everyone, I said, I'd really like to hear from you. You know, this is a great gathering tonight, but how can we as a diocese, how can I as your bishop help you in your journey, your faith journey? And what would you like to see in terms of young adult ministry here in our diocese? And I listened for about an hour, and it was very helpful. And, you know, you hear things like, you know, have more gatherings like this, or uh, we want to learn more about our faith. We want to do Bible studies. We want more service opportunities. Uh, and then so you, you compile all that information, and that can go into helping us then translate that into ministry to them. Bishop, we're about all out of time here, but I do want to remind our listeners that if they'd like to hear this program again or those we've recorded in the past, you can visit our diocesan website at dosp.org. You can also subscribe to this program free of charge by going to Stitcher or to your Apple podcast to subscribe. Just type in Bishop Parks right there in the search bar. You can also get the Bishop's weekly scripture reflections from his program, An Invitation to Worship, so be sure to check those out as well. And don't forget to follow Bishop Parks on his travels around the diocese on social media on his award-winning Facebook page, Bishop Gregory L. Parks. Is uh, You can type that in. You're on Instagram also? I am. I'm on Instagram at, at Bishop Parks, and that's Parks with an E-S at the end. Right. Uh, and then also on Twitter as well, at Bishop Parks. Finally, if you have a question for Bishop Parks that you'd like to ask, you'd like me to ask for you on this program, you can simply shoot me an email at contact at myspiritfm.com. We'll be sure to get that out there. Bishop, can we close with your blessing for our listeners? Of course. Let us pray. God, our Father, as we continue to enter into this new year, we thank you for the abundant blessings which you have bestowed upon us. We ask for an outpouring of your Spirit that you may lead us and guide us on our path, that through our words, our thoughts, and our actions, that we may courageously live the gospel and we may continue to grow in our relationship with you and with your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.